Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. For years now, we've asked who will be the cornerback opposite Patrick Peterson. And earlier this offseason, that question morphed into who will be the cornerback opposite Malcolm Butler. Now it just might be who will be the cornerback opposite Byron Murphy. We'll explain. But first, movie news. That's right. Kurt Warner isn't the only former Cardinals quarterback involved with the project. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 436, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Ran across this late last week, and I got to admit, MJ, I did a double take. Jake Plummer, former Cardinals quarterback, starred Arizona State. He's going to be doing some acting. Did you catch this? I Most recently, I was able to read the story, and um, I, I'm not surprised, but it's interesting that, you know, kind of like uh, some other players, maybe Kurt Warner, you know, their careers have blossomed not only on the football field, but also in life. Yeah, there is life after professional football. And according to Three Down Nation, a site dedicated to the Canadian Football League, Plummer will star in the movie Kick, which will be about a CFL team. And as luck would have it, Plummer is going to play the veteran quarterback of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. There is a quote from Jake Plummer. Quote, it won't be too hard to put on shoulder pads and get made up to look like that old torn-up vet and go in there and spit some knowledge on the team. I don't think it's going to be a far stretch for me to act it out and get it done. End quote. Props to Jake Plummer. I know for a while their handball was a big thing post-football, but now it's a little acting bug for Jake Plummer. Yeah, he's got his hands on a lot of different things, and one of the things that he's done, he's put a uh, software together, and I believe Cliff Kingsbury has a copy of it, of you know just game planning and you know showing players where to line up formation-wise, um, personnel-wise. So he's, he's dabbled in a lot of different things, and I really love uh, covering Jake Plummer, and I'll never forget that plane ride home when they knocked off the Dallas Cowboys. I was preferred to work out here, um, but they at the time wanted him to compete for the job, and he had an offer from the Bears and the Broncos, and so he went there, and you know he was traded to Tampa, and he never showed up, and that was interesting there. But he's kind of been a, a guy that's stood by his convictions. Absolutely, the Cardinals drafted Plummer in the second round in 1997. Then you mentioned that playoff victory, the first playoff victory for the Cardinals after moving to Arizona. So a little bit different than Kurt Warner. Jake Plummer is going to be acting. Kurt Warner, the movie is about his life, and I don't believe, at least last I've heard from Warner, that he's going to make any cameo appearances. He's just kind of on set as far as lending his expertise, if you will. It is a movie about his life but uh yeah a couple of former cardinal quarterbacks and uh, who knows what next quarterback or i should say maybe next cardinals player will find their way in hollywood you know when it comes to kurt you know we all know the story where he was shocking shelves at a grocery store and you know how he went on a date with brenda but i, I think it's gonna be more about the family and you know the football obviously is his platform and you know, he's got a lot of different foundations with a disabled son. So I think it's going to be more about, you know, getting there and then showing those highlights, but also how much his family meant to him throughout the uh, the journey. And you hope that that part of that journey does include the NFL, but, you know, outside of the Rams, does it include the Cardinals? I mean, how how in-depth football-wise, but to your point, it's it's the other aspects of Kurt Warner and his family that has really captured the hearts and attention of a lot of people, not so much what he did on the field. Great, but a better person off the field, talking about Kurt Warner. And best of luck, again, to Jake Plummer in the movie Kick which will be about a CFL team. We'll have to keep an eye on that here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. One other note before we get into our cornerback discussion, the Hail Murray. We've been talking about this for a while now, Gang. That play has advanced the Final Four for best play at the 2021 ESPYs. You can go to ESPN.com slash ESPYs. The winner will be announced July 10th. 
Kyle Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, that touchdown pass to beat the Buffalo Bills, one of four plays in the running. Not a surprise. I mean, let's take some credit here on this show. We've been pumping it up. So uh, props to everyone out there that voted, as you like to say, early and often. Yeah, and it's real easy. And I know Kyler Murray's been pushing it, DeAndre Hopkins, including the Arizona Cardinals. And as Craig pointed out, you can do it early and often. And it's the first one that shows up. It's it's a top box, so you can click there, and then they got a slideshow. And people, I think some are hesitating. Where are you know the feeling out there as well? They already won this award. No, that was for NFL honors. That was the clutch play of the year. So if it's the clutch play of the year, and now it's in the running for the top four. Um, again, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are voting for the other three, but you have a chance to vote for the Cardinals early and often, and make sure you do it because it started at 16, then it got down to eight, now it's getting down to four, and then the nitty-gritty will probably have two at some point in time. And I think the fact that it is that first play that you see, I think, does help. But here are the other three plays up for best play at this year's ESPYs. DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker. Simone Biles becoming the first woman to land Yurchenko, double pike vault in competition. Jamil Roberts scores the game-winning goal in overtime to give unseated Marshall its first national championship, and that was in soccer. So if you look at these plays, the Hell Murray, yeah, great play. Metcalf chases down Buda Baker. I think that was more fun than anything else. The one that I'm really... I wouldn't say concerned about it here. I mean, it's 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 a vote. I mean, you just, you vote for what you like. But given that this is an Olympic year and the U.S. Olympic gymnastic team was just named, Simone Biles obviously head and shoulders of everyone else, that would be the one quote-unquote play that I think might garner a lot of votes just because she is doing something, MJ, that no one has ever done in her sport. They are naming moves after her. That just shows you how far advanced she is compared to the rest of the competition. But again, we're a little biased, so we'll go with the Hail Murray. Well, I'll say this, and, and it's not a knock on anybody else because, you know, Diana Taurasi over the weekend, uh, career 9,000 points, which is we, uh, the best in, in WNBA history. But when you look at Biles right now, she may be the greatest athlete around the world. Now, again, I'm, I'm just looking at what she does. It's an individual um, competition there, even though she's going to represent the USA in, in the tournament. This is a team sport when it came to the Cardinals, but she's definitely worthy of being on there because she's doing something that nobody else has been able to do, and we know how much gymnastics have been around for years. I'm glad you brought up Tarasi. 9,000 career points in second place, 7,500 points. She has a 1,500-point gap between the next closest competitor, talking about Diana Taurasi. And by the way, her performance over the weekend got someone out of their seats. And as far as we're getting another glimpse of one Larry Fitzgerald, who acknowledged Diana Taurasi's effort over the weekend. So, yeah, any way we can get Fitz's name in here, I don't know if it, you know, we obviously he doesn't listen to this show. He won't be a part of this show. We've established that fact. He and Adrian Wilson, for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, Fitz, Fitz out there a little bit uh, making some noise uh, about all things other than the Arizona Cardinals. Well, it was interesting. Robert Sarver was there. Langston. Langston Galloway. Galloway. Chris Paul was Chris there. Chris Paul was there. So, you know, you got to support. And Diana Taurasi has been there. You know, she's coming off uh, back surgery. But she's good to go. Uh, three Mercury. We're breaking this down. Absolutely. Three Mercury are representing Team USA in the Olympics. Brittany Griner, Skylar Diggins-Smith, and DT. Yes, so uh, almost 25% of the roster is, in fact, 25% of the U.S. women's team is Mercury players. All right, before we get into Cardinals talk, definitely a GOAT, right? Absolutely. She's, she's won at every single level. Correct. College, pros, Olympics. Yes, she has done everything in her sport. There is no question about it. And I think we here in Arizona have been lucky enough to see goats in their respective positions. I'll go to Randy Johnson, who had a tremendous career with the Diamondbacks. Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald, the greatest Cardinals player ever in Arizona. If you want to go the entire franchise, you're not going to get an argument from me. There might be some argument from those back with Chicago and St. Louis. But what Larry Fitzgerald has done and what he has meant to this community and the state is second to none. And I, I'd probably put Shane Doan there just from oh, yeah. the standpoint of what he meant to the community. Clearly, it was frustrating at times um, with you know 
uh, the moving and obviously not knowing the future, and he decided to stay here. So from a hockey standpoint, I'll put him up there too. Absolutely. Now, we don't know if we'll see Larry Fitzgerald in uniform this season, but the Cardinals are in action. And, Berg Gang, your opportunity to support the home team as the Cardinals are making available Protect the Nest ticket plans. You can go to azcardinals.com slash tickets or call the Cardinals ticket sales office at 602-379-0102. Each Protect the Nest plan features four games, including prominent primetime matchups at State Farm Stadium. There's the red plan and the white plan. Again, details on azcardinals.com slash tickets or by calling 602-379-0102. All right, dive into the cornerback position here with the Arizona Cardinals, and perhaps, MJ, at least, we've certainly talked a lot about that position here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe the most talked about position since last season ended. The position not addressed until late March with the free agent signing of Malcolm Butler. Then Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan were drafted. And finally, Dark was Denard was added to provide more experience. We mentioned all four of those names, yet what stands out to me most of all when we talk cornerback is the question that you asked Vance Joseph on June 9th, our opportunity to hear from the defensive coordinator for the first time in the offseason, at least in a press conference setting, albeit Zoom, but you asked about those new names. Denard had not been signed as of yet, but you asked about the new faces in that cornerback room. Obviously, losing Patrick Peterson was a big blow as far as the depth was concerned, and according to Vance Joseph, he acknowledged everything that you said and then mentioned the following, quote, it starts with Murphy, referring to Byron Murphy, and to me, that was a huge eye-opener. Murphy's been their best corner probably for the last couple of years. I, I know Patrick Peterson, you know, had eight great years here. We know he kind of struggled, uh, you know, after the uh, suspension. He probably wasn't the same player, didn't have the same foot speed, but he did. Patrick Peterson was very durable. Take away the suspension. He was there every week. We'll get into some um, you know, his snap count, uh, what he provided last year. Again, he just didn't have the production, and then the talk was, where the Cardinals going to make him an offer, and they let him test free agency, and they made a decision, and he came out and said the Cardinals, he spoke to somebody, I think it was Michael Bidwell or Steve Kime, you know, or his agent, they were ready to move on, similar to Clayus Campbell. But I'll say this, I mean, in Murphy, he was asked in, in the offseason here, you know, are you more an inside guy or outside guy? And it was very interesting. I'm like, why is that asking that question? He's finally found his natural position. And he said, no, I can do both. And I'm like, okay. Uh, Marco Wilson can do both, you know, and then bringing up Robert Alford back. But let's just go back. I wish we can go back to some of these shows. You laid it out correctly. Going into the draft, Cardinals need a corner, okay? And there were two or three corners, and maybe they didn't have their um, eyes on Greg Newsom. They, they liked uh, Tyson Campbell, but you wouldn't take him at number eight or six. Um, was it 16? 16. Sorry, I'm thinking the year ago. And then – you know, free agency, they weren't going to go out and overspend. You know, they weren't going to pay these big corners. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they get Malcolm Butler, and then things kind of settle down. Then Robert Alford they had to release him. He resigns. So on paper, you had three corners. But we go into the offseason, they need another corner. And then they draft two corners. And we'll see how it shakes out numbers wise. But yeah, it was one of the most talked about conversations because. Even though Patrick didn't play up to par, you still had to fill that spot. And they did it with Malcolm Butler, who's coming off probably his one of his better years. I'm sure I can go back and look at when he played for the Patriots, of course, the Super Bowl year. But I think they've upgraded that position based on what he's, they're going to ask him to do. Again, don't ask him to cover fly, guys that got 4-3 speed. He's physical in the run game. He played all 16 games, had four interceptions, over 100 tackles. That's not a good thing because they couldn't get a pass rush. But on paper, I think he's an upgrade over Patrick Peterson based on the last two years. It's going to come down to health because that's what did the Cardinals wrong in the secondary year ago. And guys started getting hurt and you had to kind of go to the well. Drake Kirkpatrick, Jonathan Joseph. And you hope that's not the case this season. But with Murphy in particular, it's kind of opened up the door. That question as far as, you know, where are you most comfortable? Well, I I can play both. I think we've heard from General Manager Steve Kime, this was ahead of the draft, that Murphy is, quote, one of the better inside corners in the NFL. Yet 
Vance Joseph has maintained, and this goes back even before this offseason, that Murphy is their one of their better cornerbacks. So you want him on the field, correct? A lot. All right, so let's open the door here, which Kyle Odegaard on azcardinals.com did recently as far as, all right, if Murphy is your best corner and maybe he is the best in the slot, well, that would mean you're playing three corners. Well, what is your base defense? Two corners. All right, well, then does that mean that Byron Murphy is one of those starting corners? Meaning you want him on the field every single snap, MJ, to the point where if he is your best corner, he's going to be out there on either side, but as an outside corner, unless he's needed to move inside. It'll be interesting to pay attention to the snap counts maybe each month as far as, all right, how many times is he up against that slot receiver or against the outside receiver? Because if he is your best, and that's what we're being told, then it's not Malcolm Butler and it's not Robert Alford starting games. Byron Murphy is starting games in their base defense. Well, that's a little misleading for me, though, because teams are running 11 personnel close to 70% of the time. That's your base defense. I mean, you got to be able to cover. Now, if you told me, as we were hearing, I think it's a good point by Kyle Odegaard, is if he's your best corner, don't the best corners play on the outside? Well, you're just playing them, period. No, I'm just saying, usually your number one corner is on the outside. But we know... Become when it comes to the second and third receiver, that slot receiver's normally a veteran guy. You know, the, the Cooper Cups, Cole Beasley's, you may get some young players in there. And we know slot receivers, they're guys that get off press coverage, they get a little, you know, a five yard catch and they run, you know, yards after catch and a five yard play becomes like a 14 yard play. So I think the importance should be if that second corner right now would be offered is just as important as Murphy inside. But down the road, if he is your number one corner, why wouldn't you put him outside down the road? But right now, as long as Alford could stay healthy, but again, teams are running 11 personnel 70% of the time. I mean, yeah, if teams go out there two tight ends and, and two backs, yeah, then you're gonna you're only going to have two corners out there. But you're going to run three corners out there the majority of the time. Yeah, and I think, though, but if it is just two wide receivers, then you want Murphy always on the field. As, as long as he can handle it, you don't want to force anything. But when you hear from Vance Joseph talking about Byron Murphy, quote, he's so much more comfortable. He's grown into his body. He's working. He knows the system. He can be a special player for us. He can be one of our better players on defense, end quote. That's right up there with a Buda Baker who never leaves the football field. And we talk about three-down linebackers. Well, not that you're a three-down corner, but you're always on the field with the versatility that, hey, I can play inside or outside. And it's, I think, Byron Murphy, not when he's gotten lost in the shuffle of much, it's just we haven't talked about him when we come to the outside corner discussion it's always been Patrick Peterson and who and it was going to be Malcolm Butler and who well maybe it's Robert Alford and who and then when you go three wide or four wide then all of a sudden you slide Murphy into the slot because you have a Malcolm Butler you have a Robert Alford you have a Darquez Denard well you got to give Steve Kime credit I mean they're picking 33rd in the draft and there were a lot of good players and they took Byron Murphy there now they end up using a second round pick uh, 62 for Andy Isabella. Good thing they took Murphy there. But well, the whole talk was, I mean, he was picked on his first year. We know how physical he is. Every talk, time we talked to Vance, it was always who's going to play opposite of Patrick Peterson because I, on paper, checked that box. They have a guy for the future. So, But when you hear it from the coaches and the fact that they drafted him the first pick in the second round after Kyler Murray before Isabella, that they felt that high on him to where this is going to be a long career. Uh, yes, I'm sure he can play inside outside. I just think down the road, he may be your number one corner. But right now what they have on paper, Butler, good against the run, can cover. Robert Alford, very physical. I'm, I'm, I'm just rooting for him to stay healthy. And then Murphy's kind of the, he's kind of the, the jack of all trades. I mean, he, not they're not going to use him like Buda Baker, but you can move him outside if you have to. If they go four wide, you can use him on a, a big physical receiver. And we know a couple of years ago, unfortunately, he was covering Julio Jones. But he may that, draw that assignment in week one. Who knows? Robert Alford may draw that assignment. Somebody's got to cover A.J. Brown. Those snaps in 2019 that Byron Murphy was forced 
to play because of suspension and injury might have been the best thing that happened to Byron Murphy in his career because you look at the numbers from 2019 to 2020 and the expectation going into 2021 to Vance Joseph's point, the growth that Byron Murphy has made as far as a player and understanding what is expected of him in the playbook, he's playing smart, he's playing fast, he is reacting, he is not thinking out onto the field. And that latter part, the thinking part, I think really harmed him in year one, but that's going to harm every rookie out there, especially to your point, you're facing the top, top wide receiver each and every week when initially it was like, all right, we don't need you quite yet when we need that slot corner or that third or fourth corner then we'll bring you on well uh sorry we don't have those guys currently you're our man byron murphy last year played 795 snaps on defense would be equivalent to 72 percent the closest other guy um, a little bit similar was drake or patrick 750 about 68 percent patrick peterson played 99 percent of the snaps 1096 so you've got to replace those snaps but Murphy, and he also plays on teams, so I guess you can say in their base defense, um, if teams only had you know one or two wide receivers, he was coming off the field. That will not happen this year. You look at the... Or I don't think it's going to happen, but now it's this side, what do you do with Alford and Butler based on down and distance and personnel? Yeah, I don't think Byron Murphy is coming off the field. That has been made clear from Vance Joseph. My guess is that Murphy, Buda Baker... Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, those four, I think we can certainly, uh, right now here in the month of June, say those four in particular are going to be playing 95% and higher each and every week. And then maybe a Chandler Jones is the next level. Jordan Phillips is the next level. J.J. Watt is the next level. We know they don't want J.J. Watt playing 1,000 snaps like he did last season. You want to kind of monitor those snaps. But Bob Murphy is still young. This is year three, that pivotal year three. It's not just Kyler Murray. It's that entire draft class talking about those players. And just look at the improvement. Pro Football Focus, the numbers. And this is where I think – Based off of what we have seen watching Byron Murphy, and you go back to the passes defensed against San Francisco on the road at home against the Eagles, those are tangible things that we can point to that say, yeah, we see it. But then those that really dive into the game and really monitor what they're watching on film, pro football focus, you look at Byron Murphy, his coverage grade jumped from 48.5 in 2019 to 63.3 last season. His run defense grade jumped from 43.6 to 74.7. Those are tremendous leaps forward to where now you hope that there is a second leap moving forward to where, yeah, we're not having this conversation next season. We all know that Byron Murphy is the number one corner, not just what we're hearing from the coaches. Yeah, I mean, when you look back at it, I mean, the fact that he he was thrown in the mix from day one. We talk about Kyler Murray, you know, throwing in the mix. And you want to slow play these guys, but because of the suspension and then obviously the Alford's injuries, he, he was he was throwing the fire. And he had to learn quick. And he struggled his first year. I'm sure his confidence wasn't the same. But I know that he learned a lot from Patrick Peterson how to cover receivers when you're at the line of scrimmage. Make sure you're looking at their legs. He always asked questions. And by going through that, it's made him a better player. And, and from that standpoint – He feels like, you know what, I can play in this league and I can play at a high level given the talent around this team and on defense in particular. Started seven games, played in 15, matched the team high with eight passes, defensed, had two sacks, and NFL Network analytics experts Cynthia Freeland listed Murphy as her most underappreciated player on the Cardinals. And a lot of what she does is they say inside baseball, but I think it's important to point out bird gang because it does show what we've been talking about here. It's not just us. It's not just the coaching staff. It's those on the outside paying attention to uh, do this as well. She writes of Murphy quote, he's improved his ball tracking, which is measured by his hips facing the ball at the second highest rate of improvement over the past two seasons. His body control, measured by recovery once contacted, avoiding penalties, also increased dramatically in year two. Again, that's a lot of inside knowledge, but it does show you how much he has developed 
his body as far as what it takes to be successful at the pro level, not just being quicker, stronger, faster than everyone else that you get away with in high school and college. No, it's about technique and really about knowing your body, where your hips are, where your eyes are to avoid some of these bad plays or bad penalties that are costing your team. And once again, every player was wearing a GPS, and that goes to next-gen stats, so she's able to get those analytics to where you could see it, the way he covers and how you know, he's not able to, you know, some of the things that you pointed out that she said, you know, tracking the ball, measured his hips facing the ball at the second level uh, rate. Yeah, there weren't a GPS and she has analytics there. So that makes total sense versus us just saying, well, he's more physical, he's more confident, he's more comfortable. Exactly. They, there's, there's, there's something to back up those statements. Yeah. And that is what the analytics, that's what Pro Football Focus provides us here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We'll get into the other corners that are returning for the Cardinals, but this updates on the Emmy Award-winning Cardinals flight plan. The next episode, episode three, titled Winning Recipe, debuts July 1st on the Cardinals official YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. Just hit that subscribe button. We'll make it very easy for you. That way you never miss an episode. Again, the third episode this offseason, Winning Recipe, Drops July 1st, and if you haven't seen Episodes 1 or 2, again, youtube.com slash azcardinals. All right, also back, in addition to Byron Murphy at the cornerback position, Robert Alford, Jace Whitaker, and Picasso Nelson. Now, Whitaker and Nelson were on the practice squad for much of last season. Whitaker did see action in four games. In fact, and I didn't realize this at the time, but he played 48 defensive snaps against the Dolphins in Week 9. So there is something to be said about having a Jace Whitaker on the team as far as some depth. I don't expect him to play a lot. But if needed, he knows your system. And he did stand out a couple of times in practice during training camp. And you were wondering, okay, who's this kid out of U of A? And some players recognize him as well. Vance Joseph even was asked about Jace Whitaker and then kind of had the, not a backhanded compliment, but it's, you know, hey, this is practice. Let's see what happens when the lights are turned on and things start happening for real. But 49 defensive snaps and how valuable Jace Whitaker was. He was protected on the practice squad 12 times. They did not want to lose him to another team. Well, I think it was also a case where they had injuries at that position between Jalen Thompson and Deontay Thompson. And, you know, you look at it from that standpoint. But, you know, it's going to be interesting because, you know, the Cardinals want to get more athletic. They want to get more physical. And he's kind of undersized. But, you know, at times they had him playing in some of their sub packages in training camp. We didn't get a chance to see it in the preseason. But, you know, you look at some of the other guys. I mean, uh, Marco Wilson, the guy can play inside and outside, Tay Gowan. So when you look at it, what's going to be a, st- a stiffest competition? But on paper, if Murphy is your slot guy, okay, and then you got Chase Whitaker, which has some experience and he did play on teams, and as you pointed out, protect it because I think it was more about injuries. And then you got Marco Wilson there. And I got to think, and I guess we'll de- do a deeper dive when it comes to training camp. You know how many of these cornerbacks are going to make the roster? I was I was trying to figure this over the weekend. If they go seven linemen, eight um, linebackers, my Niagara Falls math says that's fifteen, <laughs> right? Yes. They could go ten defensive backs. Now they will all won't all dress on, but that goes five corners and five safeties. And you know you got to be careful when you expose some of these guys to the to the waiver wire. Again, how much do they play? We'll get into the breaking the roster down as we get to camp, but. They do have depth at that position. Now, do they have enough depth on the outside if something happens to Butler, Alford, or Denard? All right, let's talk about Alford because he has been the most talked-about player amongst us here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Fans always ask about Robert Alford. Well, we haven't seen Alford each of the past two seasons because of injury, but he certainly was the talk of OTAs and minicamp. Vance Joseph, quote, if Alford is healthy, he's a big part of this defense. Buda Baker, quote, 
Alford still looks like the great Robert Alford, fresh Robert Alford. And then we heard from Alford himself. We documented it. He was released, re-signed two days later. Quote, I had to come back here. I had something to prove. I am the player that they thought I was, end quotes. And he's referring to when he was re-signed, well, excuse me, when he was signed as a free agent after getting released by the Falcons in 2019. That was one of the first moves of the offseason. It was sometime in January, and all of a sudden the Cardinals had that answer. Patrick Peterson, Robert Alford. And the past two seasons, we have not seen it. Now we hope to. And it's hard not to root for someone that puts in the work each and every offseason and then sees his legs cut out from underneath him, so to speak. And that's exactly what has happened to Alford because I've maintained he was the best cornerback on the team in training camp before his injury. And you hope that this year, in 2021, the Cardinals finally get to see Robert Alford on the football field. Yeah, he was released, and, and the Cardinals were able to sign him because he was an unrestricted free agent versus his contract would expire, um, and then you got to wait for free agency to start. So they allowed him to go out there and test the waters. Now, when it comes to Alford, it, it's one of those situations where, yes, the team had to release him because he wasn't going to play it. They weren't going to pay him at that. And he said, listen, whatever you need, I'll be back because he wants to prove that he, you know, they made a good signing. Unfortunately, injuries are part of the game. It's almost like I don't want to talk about him because not that I'm a jinx the guy, but we need to we need to mention it because when you hear Buda Baker say he still looks like the great Robert Alford, fresh Alford, and then he, you know, the fact that he got to come back and and he felt like he didn't have to prove it. When Buda Baker says that, he's there in the meetings with him. He's on the practice field. And that tells me that Buda Baker had the same eyes that we did in training camp two years ago where he was the best corner. Well, this we can say with certainty during OTAs and minicamp, the portion of practice that we are allowed to watch and report on, I saw nothing to say that Robert Alford was showing any lingering effects either from the leg injury two years ago or the torn pec last season. He's moving around very fluid, still talking a big game. That's just part of his style. That's who he is, and I'm excited. And much like everyone else, it's when you're talking about Robert Alford, you don't want to go too far because uh, he's – not that he's disappointed you, but you're disappointed for him that he hasn't been able to be on the field and you don't want to get too excited. You just want to kind of hit that fast-forward button to week one and see him against maybe Julio Jones, again, the Tennessee Titans, or an A.J. Brown. You want to see him on the field. You want to see that success story two years out of the game because of injury and then come back and be that guy. He has something to prove to himself, not to anyone else. Uh, I just think he has something to prove to himself because he did get questions about, you know, did you ever consider walking away and calling it a career? And he dismissed that completely. He's like, no, I was not going to go out like that. So there was a reason the Cardinals signed him back in 2019. There's a reason why they brought him back ahead of 2021. Now we just need to be able to see it with our own eyes. And we've talked about this, and so if you listen to the show, I don't mean to be redundant, but when guys go on IR, you know, a lot of times they're coming in for treatment. And based on the injury, if you're in a walking boot or it's it's more severe, they're not going to come on the practice field. He would get treatment in the morning. He would be on the practice field. He would be in meetings, so he was there the entire time. And I get and and the fact that he's played in the league, he played in the Super Bowl. He extra eyes out there. He can help young guys, and he did everything in his power to be around the team. And that speaks volumes of the person, Robert Alford. Well, here is cornerbacks coach Greg Williams on the Big Red Rage this offseason. Asked about Robert Alford, and Williams went to tenacity level. This guy is energy in a bottle. End quotes. Kind of like what we hear from Buda Baker. Players feed off that energy, and you lose it, and then all of a sudden you lose a little bit of your identity. The Cardinals don't know what they have in Alford because, as again, he hasn't shown it yet. But I'm excited what a healthy Robert Alford could mean to this cornerbacks, this secondary, and this defense overall. So he is back with a huge spotlight on him. The newcomers in that cornerbacks room, 
Malcolm Butler, Darquez Denard, Marco Wilson, Tay Gowan, Lorenzo Burns, and Tay Hayes. Burns and Hayes. Burns, an undrafted rookie free agent out of U of A, and Hayes was signed following rookie minicamp. He participated on a tryout basis, does have some experience, six games over the past two seasons, but there was a reason why Darquez Denard was signed because he is a seven-year veteran, 85 games worth of experience, 30 starts, and someone that is familiar with Coach Vance Joseph. Joseph was Denard's position coach with the Bengals in 2014 and 2015. But I think all eyes, really, MJ, are on Butler and then the draft picks, Wilson and Gowan. Let's go one by one. And Butler, we've talked a lot about him. I thought it was a steal considering how much cornerback was discussed. And then all of a sudden we get the news, Malcolm Butler is signed, and he only signed for one year, and I think it was, what, $6 million plus incentives, which doesn't sound like a lot compared to the top corners on the market. And it was just one of those things that it just lined up right for the Cardinals. The Titans needed to make a move to get under the salary cap, and they had to say goodbye to Malcolm Butler, which I don't think they wanted to. But they were forced to, and Butler comes in and signs with the Arizona Cardinals. And yes, he will wear 21, which is the one number he wore with the Patriots and Titans. So you will see 21 on the field this season once again playing defense. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that he's not afraid to wear that jersey. I'm sure there's a lot of respect between Patrick Peterson and Malcolm Butler. Patrick moved on. He's changed his number. You know, to me, this was a great signing at the time. And, um, you know, when you look back and, you know, 84 starts in his career. He's played in all 16 games, as you pointed out, in five of the past six seasons. And we know that last year he had 100 tackles. I don't think that would be the ideal situation because he did have four interceptions. So I'll take the four interceptions, especially if he's your number one or two corner. Um, He brings a lot of leadership here. He's played a lot of big games. Um, so again, I think he's kind of hitting that reset button on his career. You know, if the fact that the Cardinals money talks and, and fit, but when these guys we interview them, you can see that they think this team's on the rise. And I think it all starts with Kyler Murray, knowing that they can score points. And then you have a Chandler Jones, and then you have a DeAndre Hopkins, and AJ Green comes in, and then now, now all of a sudden you got you know two really good inside linebackers. They got to prove it on the field though. So I think. I think there's an excitement to where a lot of these guys feel like, you know, I've been around good teams, but you need good players. And the Cardinals have good players. Now it's about coming together, building that foundation, and the groundwork going into the season. But I think he's going to be a good addition in the locker room too. I'm sure Butler had other options, other teams calling, but to hear Butler describe why he chose the Cardinals, quote, it was an easy decision. I just felt like it was a perfect fit, end quote. Obviously, MJ, there was a need at that position, whether he's starting or playing a lot of snaps. We're going to see Malcolm Butler on the field a lot. And then you add to it the obvious storyline in week one at Tennessee, his former team. So you know he's going to be fired up. And I like what you said about his numbers and the 100-plus tackles. It does speak to what was asked of him in that Titans defense. Same thing can be said about Buda Baker. You don't want your secondary to have a lot of tackles because that means, well, the ball carrier is getting into your secondary. You much rather have the second line, even better, the first line of defense rack up the tackles, not a Buda Baker in the backfield. Unless, of course, it's a safety like Baker who is playing closer to the line of scrimmage. But yeah, the, the 100 tackles, I'll be fine with half that many but with the four, five, six interceptions. Or passes defense. Correct. And, and that's where he's – and, again, press coverage. He's got great size. He will he will fight you at the line of scrimmage. He'll be physical. And then the run support, he'll be able to release off the receiver and come in for run support. And, again, uh, I know Patrick, you know, a lot of the, the notion was he didn't like to tackle. Um, I get it. When you're a finesse player, I don't think Deion Sanders didn't like to tackle. But this is a different player. And, and again, he's going to bring a lot of uh, experience and leadership. And hopefully, you know, some of these young guys can learn from him. But I think it all starts with, you know, Buda Baker being more vocal in that secondary. And, and I have no problem with Buda Baker. If he's going to get 10 tackles a game, he plays all over. Wasn't it recently he has over 400 tackles in the last four years? It sounds about right. And number one in football. So you, from that position, it's a little bit different. He's covering one side of the field. You know what I mean? Like he's covering a wide receiver. But it also tells you he was coming up in run support. 
in getting tackles. I'd love to know, and this would be a really, really deep, deep dive, but when you list 10 tackles, 12 tackles in a game and at the end of the season, all right, tell me where those tackles are happening on the football field. Are they within the first three to five yards of the line of scrimmage or are they 10 to 15 yards beyond the line of scrimmage? Because I think that would speak more to, all right, the Titans defense needed Malcolm Butler to make those tackles because it was a defense that was leaking a lot of the times. Buda Baker, maybe not so much. Maybe most of his tackles are coming within five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage versus tackling deep after a long gain, whether it's a run or a pass. But yeah, that, that's go, that's going through every single play and then figuring out, all right, where is Buda Baker when he makes the tackle? And my guess is, and, and don't hold me to it, Bird Gang, but I would guess that it is more likely than not that – I wouldn't say half, but maybe close to half of his tackles, talking about Buda Baker, are in that five to seven range, five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Well, I think there's a reason why the Cardinals drafted Zayman Collins. I mean, we all liked uh, Jordan Hicks. I thought he was a good addition. Uh, I think he'll provide great depth if something happens to Collins or Simmons in this case, even though they're kind of playing two different positions. But Let's be honest. I mean, you can't just blame the inside linebackers. If you're not getting push up front, and we know the Cardinals have had trouble with certain running backs uh, around the league, well, he's got to make the tackle. So Jordan Hicks was the guy making tackles three to five yards down the line of scrimmage. And at the end of the year, he had uh, 1,000 snaps, and he had over 100 tackles. So um, to me, if you're within two yards of the ball carry or the receiver and you hit him, um, they can't control – if it's a 10-yard pass, the thing is you don't want yards after catch. So it all starts up front, and, and I believe on paper they should be better up front where Collins and Simmons and maybe some of these outside linebackers, including Buda, will make tackles by the close to the line of scrimmage, which then one to three yards. I'm sure there's a stat from one to three yards, four to six or seven, and then seven to ten. Again, if you're two yards next to the ball carrier or the receiver, it's your job to make that tackle. That's another good distinction. The ball carrier is in front of you after catching a pass. You weren't in coverage, but there he is. And, okay, you're wrapping him up within a yard or two. He's not breaking your tackle. There's another way to kind of measure just how effective of a tackler you are, not just based off, hey, I've got 100 tackles for four straight seasons. Just how effective are those tackles? How meaningful right. are those tackles? Right. All right, the last point here on the cornerbacks are the two rookies. Marco Wilson, the fourth-round draft pick out of Florida. Cardinals, remember, moved up in the draft in a trade with the Ravens to make the selection of Wilson. And then Tay Gowan, sixth-round draft pick out of Central Florida. Certainly, Wilson, based off the fact that he was a fourth-round pick, they moved up in the draft. He has the experience coming out of SEC. Certainly seems to have more of the upside ASAP, meaning maybe more of an impact this season, he is another one of those guys that can play both outside and in the slot. According to Vance Joseph, Wilson, quote, has been a really, really nice surprise. He's seen a lot of scheme, end quote, talking about the games against opponents in the SEC. He started as a true freshman. He's got a lot of experience. Now the question is, and this goes for the entire rookie class, all right, your talent is one thing, but how do you know the playbook and how do you transition from the classroom out onto the football field? I like both of their size. You look at Marco Wilson, he wears number 20, he's 5'11", 187. You look at Tay Gowan, he's wearing number 32. Uh, you know, a lot of history there at that position. He's 6'2", 185. But the, and they're both athletic. But playing in the SEC, you're going against, you know, this probably the toughest competition. I don't know about the quarterbacks in the conference, but when it comes to wide receivers and running backs and DBs, that is the best conference, and that's the reason why the SEC dominates the first three rounds. So I would agree with you, but I want to see more in camp because they're intrigued with both of these guys, and that's why I mentioned earlier, you know, you can sit here and say, well, they're only going to keep four corners. I think Denard's a wild card. He's going to, if he wins that fourth spot, who gets that fifth spot? And then you try to slide one in the practice squad, um, but I want to see these guys play, and it's, it's always great to have position flexibility, and you can do this. Um, you can play inside and outside, but at some point you got to key on what your natural position is. And if he's an outside guy, because of that speed and his athleticism and his 40, um, his um, vertical, I mean, he's an intriguing guy. But, again, those are all measurables. And one thing we got to learn about these guys, 
They didn't. They weren't as healthy as you like coming out, but you're not drafting them what they did in the past. You're drafting them what you think they can do in the future. Wilson at his pro day ran a four three seven forty and then out jumped the Vertec. It goes as high as forty three and a half inches, and he jumped above that. So yes, the athleticism is there. Gowan ran a four four seven forty at his pro day, and the Wrinkle with Tay Gowan is because he opted out last season. He hasn't been a lot or hasn't seen a lot of action. Um, so that might have been why he lasted all the way to the sixth round. He still has, I think, the best quotes of draft weekend. Quote, I feel I'll be the Tom Brady of corners. End quote. And then he's given 32, which Buda Baker wore, which Tyron Matthew wore. And he is very vocal on social media. He is very confident in himself very comfortable in his skill set so now again it's all right you were drafted because of your athleticism but you don't be successful in the NFL based off of athleticism there's more to it than and in 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 fairness to him it was because of COVID correct and and he opted out because of his family he got COVID-19 and he had a young daughter so I, I applaud him for for the tough decision that he had to make, and it might have caught, I don't think it might have, it did cost him to hear his name called day three and all the way into the sixth round. But, you know, again, that's behind him. Now, what do you do moving forward? Exactly. Because, I mean, guys had to make decisions based on their family. And if you got an infant and you got your grandmother around, et cetera, uh, I'm not going to begrudge a guy. It's just difficult to evaluate because you like to see three years of film. But the Cardinals have scouted this guy over the last couple of years, they have intel. And so that's the reason why they pick him. But, again, they didn't take him in the fourth round. They took him in the sixth round. Early impressions, uh, Wilson and Gowan by Greg Williams, the cornerbacks coach on the Big Red Rage this offseason. About Gowan, we talked about how much, how vocal he is on social media, how confident he is. Quotes, this is Williams now. Quote, it's not just talk. He has what it takes to actually walk the walk. End quote. Now, that's, again, small sample size, rookie minicamp, OTAs minicamp. They're not going full speed. What happens when you do go full speed come training camp? Here's what Coach Williams had to say about Wilson. It's just a matter of getting consistent because, according to Williams, Wilson was one of the top-rated corners on their board, but it's flashes. And we've seen several players over the years that flash and it's, that's great eye candy, but hey, show up every single week, every single Sunday that proves to us that you can have not just a one, two-year career, but a lengthy career in the National Football League. Yeah, and, and to me, you know, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that they had off-season workouts and the rookies got their own little rookie mini camp, then the OTAs, and then, they, you know, they came to an agreement with the coaching staff and the players when, when it came to the, the, to the mandatory mini camp. Um, but now they're going to get a full training camp, and we know you can't hit as much, but they're going to get three preseason games. That's going to go a long way because we know from college to pro football, what's the, what's the biggest thing that they talk about? Speed and just how physical and how these guys, 260 pounds, can run you down on an angle. We see that with Kyler Murray. And so you go from practice now to the preseason, and you're going to see different speed. And then you go from the preseason to the regular season, and it's even faster. So you hope that they're in their playbook. You hope that, you know, um, they get picked on a little bit in camp. You know, I want to see Kyler Murray target. I mean, I want to challenge these guys because the next time they play is going to be in a real game. But the fact is they had the entire offseason. I think they'll be further ahead of the curve than a lot of the rookie class last year. And let's be honest, there were a lot of rookies that played very well and I think a lot of it has to do with this. I mean, like, you know, you look at some of the guys like Chase Young. I mean, he's rushing the quarterback. You look at some of these, give Justin Jefferson a lot of credit. I mean, he put up unbelievable numbers similar to Anquan Bolton. So I, I'm not saying every rookie didn't, but we watched Isaiah Simmons slow play, slow play, and then he got a chance to play. He's going to be a different player this year. So these guys, um, not that they're lucky, I'm just glad it worked out because the learning curve is not going to be as steep going into the season if you're in your playbook and you, you, you stay to your assignment and you don't make mental errors. Some is better than none, and this rookie class got some offseason work compared to the year prior, and they got none, and that certainly showed a lot on film in 2020. 
Cardinal fans, again, season and single game tickets on sale now if you want to catch this team in person at State Farm Stadium, azcardinals.com slash game ticks, azcardinals.com slash game T-I-X. And don't forget about the two Protect the Nest ticket plans, a red plan, a white plan. Both plans feature four games, including prominent primetime matchups. All right, so we look at the five or six uh, cornerbacks Denard signed in June. As we always talk about, teams take a look at you know their OTAs and their and their mandatory minicamp, and they say we got we got to fill this hole. And, and clearly, the Cardinals feel comfortable taking two corners. They got Butler, Robert Alford, Byron Murphy. You, you think Denard's a wild card for that fourth cornerback spot, just based on experience and his relationship with Vance Joseph? I do. He you needed in some more veteran experience. Not not so much the veteran, not so much that he played seven years, just the experience, the 80-plus games of experience, starting experience. That's what was lacking in that room because, yeah, you have Byron Murphy, you have Malcolm Butler, but you just need a little bit more considering what this game is now about. It's about the passing game. Everyone is throwing the football, so you need guys that can cover, and that doesn't go just for the cornerbacks, but some linebackers as well, some safeties that may be asked to be a play up close closer to the line of scrimmage, so I'm a lot more comfortable about the cornerback position now than I was in January, in February, in March, in April, but that's what the offseason is about. It's about improving. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't just wake up and say, hey, we're ready to play. It's a process. And we know the Cardinals. I mean, you you look at the depth chart and you know, if they feel like they got to add another corner, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. And I think you got to let it play out. And it could come now. There's two cutdowns this year, correct? Correct. So usually the first cutdown could be veteran guys allow them to get latch on, and then you get to the final cutdown. And and they'll have their scouts at preseason games where you couldn't do that last year. And that means you know no scouts can come to our practice, etc. So. Yeah. Uh, again, whoever the last guy is, but you also want to develop these rookies, but. You know, you're going against Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins the first couple of weeks. I can see if you can give it a list. So it would be interesting to see. But they'll definitely try to shore up positions that maybe they think they're good at now. But as Steve always tells us, your needs in March, April, and May are a lot different than in September, October. And I think they want to be prepared for that. And that's why when we start talking about the 16-member uh, practice squad, I, you're, we're going to see where they're going to load up position, at position so they don't have to go out and try to get, get a street-free agent. Get a guy that's been in your system, whether it's a year or two. A lot of this conversation can be had with our next position-by-position position breakdown. The players that cornerbacks are asked to cover. That's ahead later on this week here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.